The following actual play recording is rated E for edgy and contains discussions of violence, sexual themes, potentially discriminatory language, occultism, blasphemy, and the Australian accent. Please be advised. You are the monster. You are performing the ritual. You are upsetting the status quo. I have a few things to discuss with you before we get into the game proper, based on things that I forgot to do. Basically, there's a couple of things on character sheets that haven't been filled in. Sean Beach and David Bridgman lack any I of course I cans for their identity, which would be good to fill in because it's just good to know. The purpose of a course of cans is just to, if you have it written down, then I can't really complain if you invoke it. Most of the time, the purpose of an identity is to be able to do anything that that identity should be able to do in the real world, logically speaking. But having some defined, of course, I can can be helpful to sort of narrow down what kind of character that is, like what kind of cop if it's a cop, or what kind of priest if it's a priest, and also allows you to just say, "Look, I've got it on my sheet. Of course, I can do this, and I can't say boo." A bigger problem is Tamir Fadel has too many features. Each identity should only have three features, the first of which must be a substitution. So, Top Hat. This you... was never in told to me, and Frank okayed this thing, so I am grumpy now. At, you are allowed to be grumpy, but... Wait, so I'm, I'm, I'm confused now. Do I have too many features in each of the things, or do I have too many... So, for example, like you've got scientists, subs for secrets, that's good. And then you have resist unnatural, evaluate unnatural, and coerce is unnatural. That's too many. So you've got four. So you'd have to choose which one you want to drop there. Oh, coerce is unnatural. And same goes for, science, uh, for survivor. I will take away provides initiative. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. You guys can read these out because we are recording for an audience. So I'm a con artist. And because of that, I can convince people to like me. I convince them I'm part of the in-group and gain their trust. And because I have a completely appropriate startle response, I can react to danger before it reacts to me. And I can make people feel guilty when they try to harm me. I only have two identities because I wanted to, to uh, consolidate my points. I don't know if that was the right decision, but that's the one I made. Um, I'm a scientist and a survivor. As a scientist, of course I can. Sound smart, do math in my head, cook up chemicals, and just examine things with science. As for a survivor, uh, of course I can live outside, perform basic first aid, and identify flora and fauna. Uh, well, mine was sort of me uh, poking at how I don't like this system, uh, but mine are because I'm a former priest, of course I can provide succor. Because I'm a dog handler, of course I can handle dogs. Alright, so my first one is, I'm a cult survivor. Of course I can recognize and parrot occult beliefs and resist love bombing and intimidation. And then my second one I'm thinking will go, I'm a cat person. Of course, I can seem non-threatening to animals and bond with people through play. All right, very good. So I think that is all the character unresolved issues resolved. So we're going to go into your cabal and your objective, right? So. 
the core motivation for your cabal is the death of your friend, which uh, during the corkboarding session, your friend didn't get developed too much. So I've instead taken that as something I can do. I've decided it is a she, not a he. And I haven't named her, but I'm going to be calling her your friend in the fridge based on how she died. In a fridge? Yes. Classic girlfriend in the fridge thing. Is that is that like an Australian joke that I don't get? No, 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 no. Fridging people is, it's a comic book trope where yeah. the protagonist comes home and he finds his girlfriend dead in the fridge. And yes. it's named after a famous instance in which it happened to somebody. What? Yes. From uh, Green Lantern. Which which Green Lantern was it? If it was if it was Guy Gardner, I'm gonna I'm gonna like leave the podcast right now. I don't know, but it was Gail Simone. I think they brought it up, and it was uh, basically it's just a trope of the uh, usually a male protagonist being motivated by a dead girlfriend or a dead female companion or whatnot. In this case, it's your friend, and I'm calling her your friend in the fridge. Which conscience might understand that reference and might not because it's based on a cheese ad. Now, she was a young documentary filmmaker. She was working on a project on some kind of alligator group said to be living in the sewers beneath Fresh Bay when she got an unexpected internship for a porn company called Surefire Studios. Now, from what you've learned in the aftermath of what happened to her, you've discovered that Surefire Studios is a kind of bullshit front for a cult calling itself the Creed of Cum. At the time, she was very excited about her getting involved in it. But what happened to her basically was that she got trapped inside a large fridge that was out the back of Miracle Video because it was used as cold storage for VHS tapes. It had been set up there for that purpose. She had been sent by the leader of the Creed of Come, the cult leader whose name is Woody Scorsese, to get a videotape. She got trapped inside the cold storage fridge and she couldn't get out. And then asphyxiated because the other members of the cult were too busy fucking. I can't believe we're hunting fucking Kumas. That's like the ur-cultist motivation. Okay, now I've got some bits for each of you. Tamir, your friend of the fridge, tried to get you to join. She said that they needed more technical stuff because she was helping out with Woody and Woody was doing a lot of the work. Woody Scorsese had a sort of the role of both director and cult leader. And so that's part of the reason why she was brought in in the first place to try to take some of that, some of the technical tasks off his back. But she believed that they needed some more technical stuff to do more interesting things or uh, do things easier. Now, in her attempt to convince you to join the studios, she claimed she could show you something magical, something supernatural. Now, what she did was she held your phone in her hands for a few moments with her eyes closed. And when she opened her eyes, she looked straight at you and told you in exact correct detail the last piece of pornography that you viewed and that was weird but you wrote it off as a cheap trick which is why you don't have much in unnatural you didn't believe her that was the evidence that she had of supernatural powers all right now adrian you tried to infiltrate this cult because it seemed like it would 
be a good way to scam money and maybe get some ass, like a pornography studio slash cult. But you discovered from your brief time semi-involved there that apparently they weren't even making any money off this. Like, they're a cult making porn, but they seem to be putting more money into it than they were getting out of it. They weren't even selling most of the videotapes that they were making. They seemed to be doing it out of some kind of ritualistic devotion. They didn't really have much interest in making money, which makes no sense for like a porn company. You also notice that much of the sex that they actually had was extremely choreographed and specific. Well, that's not out of Adrian's wheelhouse because I've decided that Adrian is also not super interested in the act of coitus and is usually going through the motions as well in order to trick people into doing something. So that part's all right, but I assume that there's something more that led to my unnatural initiation. Part of the motivation that you established for your character not continuing to be in this cult was the fact that someone got killed. So I'm going to say that you were definitely there on the night that the friend in the fridge asphyxiated in the cold storage. And my excuse that I give people is probably like, I literally could not have gotten up even if I wanted to, and I just let them imagine the rest. Yes, you can define, like, I'm just thinking that is probably the reason why your character has an, a reason to be in this cabal. Yeah, yeah no, that's good, but, but I, need, I need some kind of exposure to the unnatural as well, because I have one point. Your exposure was seeing magic within the cult, right? Yeah, I, I, it was either that or from this specific character that we're upset has died. I'm going to say that you, in your brief time in the cult, you did observe some strange psychic abilities that some of the cult members seem to have over other people. Yeah, a preternatural ability to mess with the libido that you couldn't quite explain. All right, so they're, they're a cult of date rapists. No, they would not do that, not because they have any morals against it, but because it wouldn't work for them. Participants have to be aware and willing for the rituals to mean anything. For example, you saw them use this uh, libido manipulating power to get a very aggressive drunk to back down. They basically made him so horny he couldn't attack them. He, he realized that he wasn't welcome in that location and he was suddenly struck with a fear that he might masturbate inadvertently. Yes, that, that, that actually makes sense. No, it's, it's a... never mind. Sean, you tried in vain to get her out of this weird cult because as soon as you heard about it, you were like, that's a cult. Maybe it's not a kitty cult, but it's a, it's a pussy cult and that's pretty bad. But she didn't listen to you. One thing she kept saying when she was defending her reasons for joining, because she was saying, it's like, oh, it's no, it's a good opportunity. She could uh, learn a lot about production. She kept like switching it over to like non-religious rationalizations. But one thing she did keep saying sort of inadvertently was about how being in the tape changed everything. And you don't know what that means. Being in the tape? Being in the tape. She, you noticed she said that multiple times. So, well, it is a porn cult. And finally, David, you have the, like, the least real um, relation to the friend in the fridge. So all I've got for you is that you must have a, some kind of relationship with the, the, the girl who died, right? But you can define that. I'm going to say that 
The main tip-off about Surefire Studios came when Jesus Christ appeared to you in the night and said something about it being easier for a camel's cock to fit into a camel's cock to fit into a wet ass p-word than for a petty man to win the heart of the goddess. And then he wouldn't explain what he meant by that. I see. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Well, he did say p-word. Uh, apparently, he he, he keeps up like. So, what is your what was your character's relationship with the, your, the friend in the fridge? Maybe she was a, a work colleague, a fellow in the dog handling community, uh, or maybe she was a former member of David's parish, perhaps. Yeah, former member of the parish works pretty well. Okay, that works for me. Is this like back when you weren't such a weirdo? Yeah, David was definitely less weird, but he got pretty weird towards the end of his preaching career. Maybe their older friends, she knew him before he was quite so mad, and maybe she sort of felt compelled to try to look out for him as he descended deeper into his delusions. I'm going to say that like you have a feeling of some responsibility to an extent because way before she was involved in this cult or anything, when she was much younger, she was involved in the local Christian youth group. And during that time, she started getting interested in making movies, video, video editing. They made a few really embarrassing covers of Christian pop songs, which they filmed in different areas around Fresh Bay. And you were kind of involved in that. And you kind of wonder if your encouragement of her to like explore that part of her interest, even though at the time it was all about all about the Jesus, it ended up leading her to this weird sex cult and her dying in a fridge. So maybe you feel some responsibility. <laughs> yeah. It could be that like it might not be your fault, but you going weird and becoming less involved with the normal church side of things kind of coincided with her changing direction and becoming weird. And it probably wasn't the same. It, it was probably correlation without causation, but it's, it's the timing's weird. Yeah. Okay, so because she died of asphyxiation in this fridge, it was ultimately ruled as a death by misadventure by the Fresh Bay Coroner's Office. And there's one thing about Fresh Bay is that Fresh Bay has a long history going all the way back to like pre-colonial times of being a bit weird, but also most of the local community is fairly conservative, but conservative in a way that they sort of pretend shit isn't happening as opposed to like, they're not going to have a witch hunt. They're just going to like pretend the witch is there. So her death was mentioned at like, page 15 of the local newspaper and the thing is the town the the cops the the sheriff's department and the local busybodies have a pretty keen awareness of the streisand effect and they don't and even though yeah there's it's a weird this girl died in a weird sex cult and that's fucked up but they kind of want to sweep it under the rug because they don't want any kind of like outside media interest or sensationalism coming in. So they just sort of like ruled it death by misadventure. She got trapped in a fridge and died, whatever. And they don't talk about it. But the gossip circles and such are going off, of course. Right. 
which you would hear probably quite a bit, David, from like old church connections and such. Yeah, yeah. During the first session zero, I missed out a fairly important part of the process called the objective path or the milestone path. Now, for every objective, there should be a series of milestones and achievements that you determine beforehand, which will contribute to the attainment of that objective. These vary in difficulty depending on the scale of your objective. In this case, you have a local objective affecting only a small area. Now, there are two degrees of milestones. The two degrees are petty and intense. A petty milestone is something that you can do that will give 1d10 plus 5% to your objective, while an intense milestone adds 2d10 plus 10% to your objective. If you reach 100% in your objective from achieving milestones, you automatically succeed. You just get what you want. But at any point before that, you can take a risk and take the plunge and try to roll for it instead. But if you fail, you'll lose half the objective points. So for example, if you're at like 85% because you've done a bunch of milestones, you can just be like, fuck it, close enough and roll. And if that roll succeeds, then you've got what you wanted. Does that make sense so far? So we literally just roll to destroy the cult. Yes, but, but you have to get a whole bunch of milestones first to build up that. Right. Okay. You could theoretically just do one thing and be like, I have, we have 8% of our objective, let's roll those bones, but it would be pointless. Right. It wouldn't be pointless. There would be uh, 8 whole percentage points of point, pointfulness. That's true. Yeah, exactly. exactly. The top hat gets it, but then you would lose four of those and be back at 4%, I guess. The, so the, the trick is to find the point where... Having your chances halved, but getting additional rerolls is greater than your chance of success if you just keep building up. So, like, if you reach a point where it's like you have to fail a, you know, fail a, a, a seventy or a sixty, and then fail a thirty, and then fail a fifteen, your odds of making one of those three rolls are pretty good, even if that's true. Your odds at the at the outset are not so great. So. That's actually mathematically kind of an interesting mechanic. It's also like, in this case, if you have a whole bunch of ideas about what you want to do to get your goal, and that's a fun process, then you can just grind your way to 100% and succeed. But if at some point starting to get a bit grindy, you can be like, fuck this, we've done enough at this point, let's roll those bones. And I like goes. that. That's, good. that's a good design because too many games are... It's easy to get stuck and not have a good path to any of the endpoints that were imagined by the scenario creator. So this having like a built-in man coming through the door with a gun is good. Yeah, exactly. All right, I'll give you some examples of milestones. For like a local objective, which is what you guys have got, a petty milestone might like spending some time, a, bit, a moderate amount of time or money interfacing with people, making a minor fuss in local media, gaining an ally, raising funds, or doing some kind of relatively low-key gutter magic or reality bruising ritual. Good. If you guys want to try that, that's, that's a fun process too. While basically an intense milestone would be similar, but it's more likely to be dangerous, more likely to be illegal, uh, more likely to be risky. So examples could be going on like a 48-hour vision quest or mobilizing large groups into action or inaction, gaining a powerful enemy or causing relatively large scale supernatural disruptions. So generally speaking, I will adjudicate whether a milestone is petty or intense, but basically it's just a matter of degree. Okay. Any, any, anytime you do something 
that could get you fucked up or could get you in trouble, I'm going to probably say it's an intense milestone. And how do we demarcate like when we're starting a milestone versus when we're finishing one? The first part should be deciding what your milestones are. And the end will be when I say, oh, you've got this milestone, roll these points. What about when we're doing like investigatory stuff, stuff that doesn't have such like a clear end point of you've successfully killed somebody? Or okay, in this case, uh, I generally don't go for investigative stuff in UA, even though some people do. But in this particular game, because we haven't worked out the milestones beforehand, uh, we should have done it in session zero, but that session went on long anyway. So how I'm thinking about doing it, if you guys can think of a milestone, you can just give it to me now and I'll write it down. Or this session is like a planning, information gathering, interfacing sort of milestone. So based on what you do in this session, you'll definitely get either a petty or an intense milestone, and maybe even another milestone, depending on what you do. What I would like to have at the end of this session is at least one milestone from everyone. Milestones can be whatever you want, as long as you can rationalize why it would help you fuck this cult up. Okay, I got one really easy. We need to talk to the soul or leftover consciousness or whatever you have you of the dead woman and publicly i say to the rest of the group we need to get her to implicate the cult but privately i want to say i'm sorry and and have her say it's not my fault that's the real reason that would be an intense milestone okay if you could pull that off i I don't i don't know the the epistemology of this setting so i'll I'll take your word for it because i don't want to actually like resurrect her i just need to talk like you know five minutes the witch of endor did it how hard could it be i'm gonna write that down Right and and write write the name of the milestone is specifically the Witch of Endor did it. How hard could it be? Ironically, that's the motivation I myself am least able to pursue because I have absolutely no knowledge of the the magical world. Um, one thing I can think of is they have terrible finances. We could possibly sabotage their finances even more and put them into a death spiral. Right, right. Just call that call that like bureaucratic paper cut. E. That's a good one. That could be achieved in different ways as well. Do you guys have one, Conscience or Tom? Uh, not immediately. That's fine. We're going to want to look for opportunities to get the wizard alone so we can actually kill him without anyone immediately backing him up. Ooh, that's good. Like um, uh, learn learning their uh, patterns and stuff? All right. No, that's good. So if you guys want to proceed with any of those, this time it's good. Or you could just sort of engage with the setting, and that's also worth some points. All right, so today is the day of the funeral, as Melon suggested. Where you guys are is as Fresh Bay's historic Sabbath Hill non-Trinitarian restorationist cemetery. This is where the funeral of your friend in the fridge is happening. There are quite a number of people in in attendance, obviously her family and friends and old church friends and things like that. But also you can see the Creed of Come have arrived. You see this small group and heading up the group, you see Woody Scorsese, who is a lanky man with messy hair and his frame is too skinny for his pot belly. It's that kind of body shape and he doesn't look quite right in his black funeral suit. The members of his cult are young people, probably in their mid-twenties, but who have an air of 
teenagerness about them in the same way that an actor in like a, a teen sex comedy would be like 25, but pretending to be a teenager. They kind of have that vibe. You see his second in command, who is a young woman who you, you've heard her name is Ivory Divine. That's just all wise in there. So they're at the funeral. The family of your friend in the fridge is kind of giving them dirty looks, but they're not doing much about it. There are also local weirdos who've turned up, including Gigi Allen, his fuck buddy, the hag, and respected bar owner and former Great Lakes Coast Guarder, known only as the Captain. As you guys arrived, you did notice that the funeral was being observed by a clouder of cats hiding behind the gravestones. The priest has said some words, and the priest had a bit of an embarrassing moment as he read the eulogy because there's something about your friend in the fridge where people have a hard time remembering her name and he almost forgot it at one point but he managed to like soldier through despite a weird attendance it's towards the end and the local twerk team the booty booties are performing a memorial twerk as israel kamakawiwa oles somewhere over the rainbow is being played and the coffin is lowered into the ground You've heard tell that there will be an unofficial wake held at the Get In Head Tiki Bar that some of you have heard of. Do we know which ones of us specifically would have been to the Tiki Bar before? Or You were the most likely to have been there before. Okay, yeah. Oh, I gotta decide if I gotta decide if Adrian is a man or a woman. I, I realize I never actually wrote that down. What do you guys think? Either or. Adrian always sounds male to me. Say if you're going through sex just for the motions to get people to do what you want. Like, I mean, that sounds something more like a female con artist might do. Yeah. I guess it's the stereotype, but Adrian could be a pioneer of the dude somehow faking orgasm. Like, just putting a bunch of clam chowder in there. Wow. What school of magic is that? Which adept is, is responsible for that ability? Uh, well, you don't know. Yeah, well, maybe I'll have to find out. No, I think Top Hat's right, though. I think that Adrian's got to be a woman in this context. That's fair. Was I supposed to specify how I knew this friend? Because I had an idea. Go ahead. Uh, she volunteered at the resettlement office, and she was nice to me when I moved here. Yeah, that's wholesome. So, what are you guys going to do? I've set the scene. So, are basically all the characters that you described going to the bar? No, like, it seems like it's going to be mostly local weirdos there. It'll probably, like, you know, the captain will be there, the fag hag will go there, Gigi Allen's going there. I think it's not a bad idea to, to go there and join them. What about the family? Family are going to a different family wake for non-occult weirdos. So if we wanted to talk with them, we have to talk to them at the funeral. That's probably going to be my first target. And I'm not dressed as a cult member. I'm just dressed in funerary attire. But I'll just, yeah, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna swagger on over to, swagger. I will respectfully move until I am within appropriate distance of the family members to begin conversation with them. Her parents are there. They look like a sweet... Older couple, looking very Unitarian. She was a simple woman. Not too many extraneous NPCs hanging off her. Exactly. And I will strike up a conversation with these jokers. I call them Carol and Chuck. Chuck, I remember correctly, he used to own a farm supply store. Oh, that's correct. Okay, well, would these two people recognize me as one of the cultists? I mean, I assume not because I'm relatively good at appearing like ingratiating to people 
I would say probably not. They knew that she was involved in this weird group and probably didn't approve of it. I don't know if they would recognize each and every cultist just on the street. And they've spent most of the funeral glaring at the group of cultists. So they're probably not going to associate you with them because you're not standing with them. Okay. I will introduce myself. I'm going to say that I don't know if, if she ever mentioned me. But I think it's fucked up that law enforcement has. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if 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 they just got here, if they've been here a while working with law enforcement, but they basically haven't done anything about it. They just kind of wrote it off. The mother, Carol, she's going to look at you, sort of tilt her head to the side, and say, "What? What do you think? There was something else going on? Like they said, it was it was just an accident, just like a horrible, tragic accident. But like, do you think that they those fucking sex weirdos did something to her? I have no idea. I was hoping that." Um... What what did the uh, what did law enforcement say to you? Did you did did they ask about you know if she had any reason to fear that? Well, you know, they sort of look at each other, and they look like they want to like answer that question in the affirmative, but can't in good conscience actually do that. They sort of shrug a bit and they say, "No, she didn't. She seemed like she seemed happy." Okay, well, I mean, maybe maybe they're right. Maybe it was just death by misadventure. Well, Chuck is going to look at you, and he's going to ask, what, are you some kind of private detective or something? What, what is this going on? What's your angle? My angle is that I read a novel by Gene Wolfe called Peace, where the protagonist convinces everyone that it was an accident, that he locked someone else in a freezer and killed them at a potato processing factory, and I can't get it out of my fucking head because it's, it's, it's a really scary and uncomfortable coincidence that I should read this novel and then this should happen. Give me a connect roll. Hey. Yeah, I got it. Luckily for you, it turns out that Chuck Friend of the Fridge is also a fan of the works of Gene Wolfe. And that has made him slightly more well predisposed towards you. The fact that you're showing any interest, it looks like you've put some doubt in their mind about her death. It feels like they had come to terms with the tragic and accidental nature of their daughter's death and you've come and put doubt in their mind which is surely a good thing right very powerful what do you want to do with this it sounds like they don't know much of anything but i think just ingratiating myself to them is good because if we're trying to launch on this campaign to publicly humiliate the cult having people on our side prior to that and like building this narrative is probably enough. So sowing those seeds of doubt is good. Is this something that I could like cash in on later? Yeah, I would say that for your con artist sense tells you that pushing hard at this moment at the funeral of their daughter while they're mid grieving is probably a bad idea. But you've planted a seed. You've got this string that you can pull on later. That's good. I would say that that wouldn't be worth like a milestone or anything by itself. But it could be the foundation of something, you know, if you wanted to take legal action. But at this point, I'm saying in the context of their daughter's funeral, you probably don't want to push too hard. That's fine. I'm happy passing the torch. I would like to approach uh, Woody Scorsese and say in lightly accented English, you've got a lot of guts showing up here. He sort of like just raises both eyebrows and tilts his head back and goes, I had one of the members of my my group pass away tragically of course i'm here a group it's a nice word for it 
we are a spiritual community and uh, a business. And friend in the fridge was a valued member. Wow, you, you can't even remember her name. Can you? Um, can I, Tormson? No, you, I haven't, you haven't named her, so no. I'm going to declare right now that her name was... Uh, what's the name of that like uh, Irish actress that no one can pronounce? Is it just going to be a Siobhan of some kind? Yeah, Devon Sirache. These are like looking at you in, with a sort of like, who are you to talk to me sort of vibe. You can see that these little coterie of teen film actors and actresses, they seem to be talking, whispering to themselves. There is one, you can see that Yvonne Devine is watching your conversation from a bit of a remove. All right. So what I would like to do is I would like to be like, well, you're a spiritual leader. What, what, yeah, you had this, this porn cult. And what, what kind of spirit is that? What, what true mysteries of the universe have you unlocked? Have you found the 99 names of God? I think not. And use my um, scientist ability to evaluate the natural. He's, he's found the 99 names of Oh God. Oh, okay. Give me a roll. That is a success. So you're unnatural? I just have one tick. The, the base score. He's got more than you. Oh, well, okay. It's not very helpful, Thompson. I mean, I, I've just basically stepped in front of this guy because fuck all semblance of caution. I'm immediately marking myself as a target. Basically, you're trying to dismiss his whole religious cult bullshit with a bit of a, um, you're Richard Dawkinsing him. I'm not Richard Dawkinsing him. I'm making fun of the fact that he's a cult leader and not like even like a very good cult leader because what kind of mysticism is there in a porn cult? He sort of gestures towards his little group of attractive young things and he just looks back at you and says, seems like plenty of mysticism there. What, are you jealous? The universe provides all the mystery that I could ever want. You and me both. And I stare deep into his eyes. So he's not really impressed by the science angle. So he's going to kind of scoff and turn away. You can try something more intense. Like what? I legitimately don't know what that would be. You could try to coerce his unnatural. And I have a 20% chance to do it. So, If you look up there, you see helplessness, isolation, self-violence. You can try to coerce in different ways. So violence would be if you're trying to intimidate him. All these sorts of things. Oh, yeah. Another thing I wanted to evaluate this man for was violence, which I guess I can just do by just talking to him on the scene of someone's death and see if he's, you know, like avoiding mentioning or talking about death, looking for that thousand eye stare that he may or may not have. Yeah, you can. Okay, tell mm -hmm. me how you're going to talk about death and things like that to try and draw him out. That is a success. As you get into more detail of the reality of death and funerals and all that. You can see for the first time he starts to get a little bit discomforted. When you're talking about the unnatural, didn't really phase him at all. Talking about violence phases him more, which tells you that he is less hardened to violence than you are. So he's weaker at violence than he is on un unnatural. But as he does that, you can see him look at Yvonne Devine and sort of 
give her a look, and she starts to slowly walk towards the two of you. As soon as I see her moving towards her, I'll snap and look her right in the face. She walks up, stands next to Woody, looks at him for a moment and looks at you and smiles and says, Hi, I'm Yvonne. Hello, Yvonne. It's a sad day today, isn't it? Did you know Friend in the Fridge well? Yes, I knew Siobhan very well. Yvonne is going to look at you, Tamir, smile, and sort of tilt her head to the side and say, oh, it looked like you and Woody here were having a, some kind of debate. That's one word for it. I hope it wasn't getting heated at all over here. No, it'd be kind of hard to get heated on this day. And I look around at what I'm just going to assume is a miserable drizzle. She smiles at you and says, well, our thoughts should be on Fred in the Fridge. With someone like you, I can tell that you get really angry when other people are wrong, don't you? Before she said that, you had a sudden feeling of being watched from the inside out. And then she immediately said something which is incontrovertibly true about you. And this is worth an unnatural check because there's no way that she's just met you and she's told you your rage passion. That is uh, an 11. That's very good, isn't it? That is very good. That's a critical success. You completely ignore it. It doesn't phase you at all. But you do get 100 notch in unnatural. I'm just going to ignore that and just say, you guys can't even fucking remember her name. You're her spiritual group. I mean, I've criticized it before, but you were supposed to be there for her. And you don't even fucking remember her name. She's going to take Woody's arm, whisper in his ear. He's going to shrug and look at you and say, well, it was nice to meet you. Maybe I'll see you around. I mumble something offensive in Arabic. He's going to respond by saying, "Assalamu alaikum to you too, buddy. All right. What are David and Sean doing? Well, I think it was wise to stay out of that whole engagement. I don't think I really have anything in mind until we reach the wake. Fair enough. All right. Did you say there were some cats hanging around by the headstones? Oh, yeah, there are. All right. I want to go walk over, see if there's a particular orange-haired lord of cats lurking around. Looking amongst the gravestones to see if this particular cat is there. What is your character's relation to that? Because I see there is a connection, but what was it defined as? Yeah, that was the former cult. Ah, yes. So you're looking for the Colma cult leader, Chester Lord of the Cat. You know where he is. You know he's around. You feel it inside you. Yeah, let's follow this magical parasite I've got in me. Yeah, you fumble through the gravestones, getting further away from the now dispersing funeral crowd. And as you go, the cats are following you. But they're also doing that thing where they just get in front of your feet the whole way. So you slowly make your way to a very large tower-like tombstone. And you can see Chester is perched at the very top looking down at you. Now, what brings you out here today? He's a cat. But if you want to try to get a sense of what he wants, you can roll your cat person. Yeah, let me roll cat person. It just seems like a really weird coincidence that he's out here today at the funeral. So I want to get a read on that. And I fail. So he looks at you, and you remember back when you were closer in the cult, you generally had an idea of what Chester and the other cats wanted, but having removed yourself from it, 
it's harder for you to read them well. But there's still something inside you that gives you the impression that there is a problem, that Chester has a problem and has some fear, some danger. That's about as much as you get from that. Something has changed in Fresh Bay that puts the cat cult under risk. All right. Hmm. He's being aloof. I'm not sure how much good communication I can get out of him. But I'm going to tell him, you keep yourself safe. Find a nice home to just curl up in by the fire. Get under people's feet. He looks down at you with an undefined cat expression. Then suddenly all the cats look past you and hiss and start to disperse. Uh, as you turn around, you can see that the booty booties are twerking in that direction. That's intimidating. I understand. I will give you this. You know that the cat cult and the booty booties don't get on. Whatever the danger that Chester was trying to get across to you, it's not them. They're, because they were an already established enemy. They're not the change. Fair enough. Well, I've had quite enough of this, I think. What about the rest of you? Nobody here seems to have much interest in poor Siobhan. Yeah, I could go for a drink. I could go with you while you have a drink. All right, sounds like a plan. How about the rest of you? Uh, as a good Muslim, I don't drink alcohol, but that doesn't mean I won't go with my friends and be polite. Maybe they have some non-alcoholic beverage I can drink. The captain will have non-alcoholic cocktails available. So, is that where everyone's going as a group? Yeah, we go to the getting head. All right. Because you guys are all looking for this place and you did encounter the captain, it's not actually that hard to get there. To me, you've been in Fresh Bay for quite a while, haven't you? Um, yeah. For you, driving up and seeing this giant Easter Island statue head like fixed into a bridge that you've never noticed before is a bit of a heady experience. If you hadn't already got a heart as much, that would probably freak you out but now you're up to two harder notches so it's just weird it's a bit odd the fact that you are usually a quite an observant person being a scientist and you haven't noticed a giant fucking easter island head set into a bridge but whatever this is just one of the reasons why i see adrian as my mentor because she is much more observant than i am i kind of suspect that sean and dave may have been here before but it's up to you guys i think i've probably been there once or twice yeah, David's definitely been there before. I I would say that like Gigi Allen hangs out here a lot. Yeah. So yes, guys, go up the ten flights of stairs to get to the get in head. It's a pretty nice bar. It's literally just a giant fucking East Island Moai statue head, so it's all stone on the way up. But once you get in, it's got this old school nineteen fifties tiki bar aesthetic. Lots of wood, lots of really appropriated carvings of Polynesian gods, a mixture of Caribbean and Pacific influences, the smell of Southern Chinese cooking coming from the kitchen. You can see that behind the bar, the captain is holding court. There are a few local widows. There is a small stage set up, and Gigi Allen is pacing around. He hasn't started performing or anything, but it looks like he's going to do some later on. And I get outside of shit-flinging range. 
none of these appropriated Polynesian statues uh, might resemble a dragon with an octopus head, would they? No. Not in that sense. Listen, if the Polynesians didn't want people to appropriate their statues, they shouldn't have colonized so many damn islands. Yeah, well, I don't know why they, they put one on this bridge, to be honest. I do. It's because they thought this bridge was lacking a giant-ass Easter Island head, and they decided to sprinkle a little wisdom on our dumb asses and put a huge-ass moai with a bar inside of its skull. If we lived in a world where more people did that, I guarantee you our friend in the fridge would still be alive. The only thing in here which doesn't really go with the tiki bar aesthetic is way up in the corner, slightly raised and removed and in shadow, there is what appears to be a phone box that's been dragged up the stairs and emptied out. Sitting inside it on a stool is the fag hag. The phone box is just filled with smoke and she appears to be smoking cigarette after cigarette and looking askance alternately at both Gigi Allen and at the captain, but mostly just smoking. Well, I don't have any relationship with this, with this person, but I do occasionally put in work for the captain. So I'm going to go up to the bar. I'll go up with you. Ca- the captain sees you arrive and goes, Adrian! What's the, what's the good word, boss? It's a sad day today, but we're going to celebrate. Yeah, she did have all those characteristics that we remember and cherish. I don't like it when young people die, um, but accidents happen, you know. I mean, boss, are you sure it was an accident? I mean, you know that the that the sticks don't really, like, do their job when it comes to people like us? Well, from what I heard, it sounds like a misadventure. She got stuck in a fridge. Why? Have you heard something well, different? Well, just that don't they usually have like a lever on the inside to prevent this exact situation from happening? I don't know. I just have ice boxes. Like we don't, we don't live in like a primitive, Upton Sinclair's The Jungle-esque world of you'd make one wrong step and you instantly get sucked into the meat grinder. We have rules about this stuff for exactly this reason. Yeah, I guess so. Like when, when I was in the Coast Guard, we had a lot of rules we had to follow for, this, for that reason, I guess. And you're still alive. So I'm looking this up right now. Speaking of which, Captain, you know a lot of important and valuable things about this crazy world that we live in. And I just had, you know, given that this is a subject of, of debate among us, and I'm not just saying that because I introduced it. Well, I'll just cut straight to the chase. You know a, whole about, a lot more about this whole occult underground shit than I do. How difficult is it to get five minutes a conversation with the spirit of a dead person. Woof. That's some pretty dangerous mojo. It's destabilizing. Okay, what about three minutes? The problem is it's not the time. It's calling someone up who's dead. Like The fact is, when someone dies, they're dead. When someone's spirit moves on, it's moved on. All that's left behind isn't really them. But that's, but that's you know for a fact that's not true because I do a thumb jerk at Gigi Allen over there. G.G. Allen's a different case. He never actually died. What G.G. Allen did, yes, not exactly death, Adrian. It's a little more complicated. Oh, this is this is some Princess Bride bullshit. Okay, fine. No, boss, I, I'm I, sorry. I, I, never, I, I, asked, I asked you for your opinion, and you gave it to me. So, so you're just basically... Say, I've never met a dead person that I trusted. Okay, well, I'm not asking 
for like a full bodily resurrection. That's 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 David's business of of what happens on a final day and who goes into the lake of fire and all that stuff. I'm just asking, like, may, may, maybe even voice is too much to ask. Maybe like a text message or like a, a dot matrix printer. Is there any communication to the death that they say never dies? There's lots of techniques. It's just they're all dangerous. Anything you can use to contact opens you up to be possessed. Okay. So maybe we find like a what, – what's what's the word? A pony? Like someone who we're not really all that bothered if they – and I do like a, a head-exploding gesture with my hand. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm saying we. This is my this is my thing. I'm, I'm not going to drag you into it. I'm here. I, no, I, David, I, I, know, I know that. But I can't in good conscience draft you into my petty revenge fantasy against this death cult. So the verdict is – captain that it is possible but it is dangerous and unwise and you'd better have a master plan for not getting your brain fried that's that's the general gist of it yeah thank you it's not revenge it's justice i just did some research on fridges and uh in 19 something the fridge safety act was passed that required all fridges to have a magnetic seal rather than a latch, because latches are pretty secure and they keep the fridge closed, but they're unable to be opened from inside. So this fridge that she died inside was probably an old fridge. So yeah, unless this building is over 60 or 70 years old, it's it's bullshit that that was an accident. I want to say one more thing, um, one more piece of advice. Sure, sure. If you're going to mess with trying to summon the dead, it's going to require either a specific ritual pull it off, or you're going to need to find someone whose mojo allows for it. You need to find the right kind of adept or the right ritual. Okay. That's super helpful. You know what I realized would have been a good objective for us? Figure out what motive they had to kill our friend, because we actually haven't figured that out yet. Yeah, that's true. I've still got an open milestone. I think that's a good one. That works fine. Yeah. Figure out their motive. All right. Sean, what do you think about this whole um, vengeance business? I like to think of it as justice. We're trying to keep them from hurting any more people. David smiles. Blurry line, but, you know, I'm pretty happy with the side of it I'm on. That's good. How are the cats these days? Uh, (laughs) seems like they might be having some issues. They're acting weird. I noticed Chester was hanging around the graveyard during the funeral. He was trying to act all high and mighty and above it all, but something's got him spooked. Did you ever notice them to be aware of any kind of rituals when you were involved with them? I'm going to say yeah. I see. We're um, considering a sort of seance with the deceased. All right. Do you want me to see if I can get him to assist in any way, or if he might know one way or another of helping that go down? I'm quite unsure. I have little understanding of the of the method by which rituals pass between groups in this community. Alan knows about that sort of thing, not I. All right. Well, maybe that's an avenue to look into. I scratch his back, and he'll scratch ours. That's very funny. Will you scratch him around the ears as well? Oh, yeah. He he loves it right below his chin. Mm. 
Yes. Deeply amusing. So, Gigi Allen is now sort of getting the amp set up. Various local weirdos coming in. Well, you can tell that most people who come here probably aren't all that connected. There's lots of ponies, I'll say. The two biggest actual charges, actual people in the know in here are the captain and fag hag. And Gigi Allen to an extent, but in a weird way. Allen's on stage. Is the fag hag with him? She's still in that little phone booth smoke room. She's basically smoking a cigarette. And when it's down to the nub, she puts it out on her arm or on her face or on her neck. And then she immediately smokes another one. She's like about halfway through a packet at the moment. Probably better to not make contact with a charger until we're in a better position. Well, it's up to you. Well, I'm just going to sit down and uh, listen to Gigi's performance. He's not singing his own work today. He starts off by singing Dreamweaver. But if you guys just sit there and watch his performance, and it's all going pretty well for like a couple of hours of a performance. But then at some point, the old Gigi Allen comes out and he shits on the stage and the captain starts yelling and the fag hag, having smoked all her cigarettes, just leaves about the back door. And the captain is now standing on the bar yelling at everyone. So yeah, what are you guys going to do with that? I would definitely step in and try to calm down Gigi. I'm hiding behind a table full of empty glasses. Could you start could you describe the conflict that's occurring right now? What is the what is the singer doing that is that is causing consternation? Shitting on the stage. Alright, well, that's his act. That's what he did when he was alive. Why would you invite him to perform if you didn't want him to do that? Well, you can ask the captain that, but the captain is standing on the bar. He's yelling and saying, you did it again. You told me you wouldn't do it again, you motherfucker. Why would you believe him? I'm with Tamir. I think we should relocate to a table behind a column, so our view of the stage is obscured. I said I was doing this when we entered this location. This is like getting upset because Tom Waits has a raspy voice. Yeah, but Tom Waits' raspy voice doesn't threaten your health inspection license. But if it did, you wouldn't fucking invite him back to the bar. I'm getting up onto the stage and trying to talk down Gigi. This is not going to go well. You're going to get hepatitis. I've done this sort of thing before. Not an hepatitis? Wait, no, That's that man is my responsibility. I've got to keep David safe. So I'm going to, against my fucking better judgment, I'm going to boldly advance into this fracas. GG, GG, come on. You've done it now. This is enough. This is derivative and unoriginal. The whole reason why people look up to you is because you're pushing boundaries. It's just doing the same shit over and over again, no pun intended, is not why you're a legend. Gigi, we both know that you are past this. Come on. Gigi says, it's not about that. It's about honoring Fred in the Fridge's memory. Yes. Wait, 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 wait. So this was like an established thing for you and and this person? No, but... Wow, above, how do none of you remember her name? Whose name? Siobhan's. Okay, I'm going to say, like, what are you guys going to do with him? Are you trying to, like, get him to calm down and leave? Yeah, I'm telling, I'm telling him, yes. like, it's, it's derivative, it's unoriginal, and he's just making excuses to do it again because he, he we've established that he, he this was not actually, like, a way of honoring this person's memory. This is just a transparent excuse to shit in his hand. And- you are coercing self by doing that. A roll con at us. Uh, that's a pass. You see the penny drop slowly as he realizes that, that yeah, you're, you're totally right. This is derivative. Listen, stand there. Don't wipe it on your pants. I'll get you some fucking paper towels. And I can do that because 
I need to to stop him from making any more mess of himself. All right, so he comes down, and as he sort of like steps down from his madness, the people in the bar sort of start to calm down a bit, and you can see the captain is happy with you. You haven't prevented the shitting, but you've prevented the shitting from getting any worse than it would have been. And with your powers combined, you can get Gigi to clean himself up and go home. He doesn't have to go home, he just has to... Okay, fine. Well, the captain would rather he goes home at this point. Come on now, Gigi. So let's go back home. I'll, uh, I'll drive. David, ask him who resurrected him. We need to find that person. It's not the same, Talk about, it in, the, talk about it in the car, it's fine. Okay, I'll see. Tom, I know that, like, no one resurrected him, right? Yes. But while we're driving, assuming he's calmed down, I'm gonna broach the subject with him regarding Siobhan's death and how uh, it might be related to the Kumas. He knows that it's related to the Kumas because, like, she was involved with them and, and she died while they were there doing their ritual bullshit. But are you telling him that you think that they did it deliberately? I'm trying to uh, subtly imply that, yeah, and see what he thinks about it. Finds it disturbing, but not surprising. Indeed. Um, We've been thinking about possibly communing with um, whatever was left of her in this realm, if you understand. Almost like a seance. I know that's outlandish, if not risky. Well, if you want to do a seance, I mean, it's dangerous. You can do it. Like, I've seen people do it before, but one of the problems is you don't know, you don't always know if you're getting the right de- right uh, spirit. Do you think you could help us find the right spirit? I know you're very wise, Gigi. Looks down and says, like, for what I, like, I knew a guy back in the 80s did it. He summoned spirit of this fuck buddy he had that had an overdose where he thought he'd summoned his spirit turned out it was some like dead 45 year old dude who died in the 1950s who was just pretending to be his ex-girlfriend it's like they know shit they know shit by the sheer fact that they're dead they know a whole bunch of shit they'll just pretend to be something that they're not just so they can take over someone and Secrets could still be helpful to us, you don't think? I mean, you could just try an old-fashioned seance. You're going to have to give it a bit more juice. Um, Is that liable to work? He's going to recommend trying some gutter magic, seeing how it goes. Yes, I was considering that myself. Just says it's not, it's not going to be as reliable as an adept or a ritual, but it's something to start with. Yes, yes. Uh, the Lord has guided me in this sort of thing before. All right, well, be safe, Gigi. I'm going to probably go and uh, see if I can catch up with the others. Yeah, after I've dropped him off, I'll go back around. What the heck would spook a cat? I think it's like an infestation of like magical cucumbers. It's me. Yeah, you could try to work that out. It's just that at that point, Sean couldn't get the clear message from Chester, but there are other ways you could try to figure that out. We could try to talk to one of the booty booties, I guess. I know they're not one of the threats, but as they're connected to this whole occult animal underground, they might have some idea what's happened that could scare the cats. Amongst the random weirdos and ponies in this bar, the 
booty booties are here and they're drinking. They're sitting off sort of by themselves. And there's quite a few like young, drunk, dumb guys in here that go around trying to talk to the girls that are here. It's because the booty booties are young women in a dance troupe. You'd expect them to be the subject of a fair bit of interest and harassment by drunk idiots. But pretty much everyone's leaving them alone in in that sense. Except you see a couple of times someone approach them, always holding something, like a, a paper bag filled with something or a wrapped up gift, giving it to them and then having a brief conversation, maybe bowing or just doing some sort of respectful gesture and then backing away. It's a variety of different kinds of people that approach them, some older, some younger. Someone hands over a clear shopping bag, and inside you can see there are two cabbages. Oh, okay. So it's gifts for the booties themselves. Like the spirits, you think? Yeah, the spirits. I'm going to get like a a 40 and like a dog bowl. (laughs) That sounds pretty good. I was going to say, when you said paper bags, I was thinking like... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's go for it. I can't do it because if I give them that stuff, they're going to assume it's a sex thing. How widely known is it that Adrian was part of the death cult? Well, you weren't the member for that long, I would say. So probably not hugely well known. It was videotaped. But who watches the tapes? That's a question that I've never been able to resolve to my satisfaction. I mean, you can, you can if you want to get a dog ball and a 40, that is a, a strategy. I'll, I'll just approach them. They all sort of give you a sidelong glance as you approach, they have a look of initial distrust. Uh, hi there. I'm Sean. I'm, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I'm just here as sort of a mediator. Do you know if anything is going on with the cats lately? They seem really on edge. They look at each other, look at you, and, and one of them, Redhead, says, I thought you were... With those cats? Uh, not anymore. I gotta... I'm a solo act now. That sounds appropriately cringy. But I still like to keep an eye on those guys. Make sure they're still well taken care of. The spirits tell us the cats are a bad influence. I... And I'm not sure that you're not... You may think that you are no longer affiliated with them, but... If Chester's still inside you, well... That's fair. I can understand why you might be a little skeptical. Uh, It's not necessarily something you wear on your sleeve. But I am just looking for information about what's going on around them. I saw Chester earlier today. I know you guys saw him because I saw some of you dancing in their direction at the funeral. And Chester seemed like he was worried about something, but it wasn't you guys. He's worried, but he's only worried for his own selfish reasons. He knows that if he loses his hosts, that he'll have to move on again. Uh, let's just say that something's come, something's come looking for him. Look for the white van. You'll know it when you see it. Okay, I guess I will keep my eyes peeled then. They look at you contemptuously and turn away. Yeah, that's fair. That's about as well as I could hope for, I think. So somebody, like, deprogramming Chester's cultists now? David, you, you, you drive the church van? What is your set of wheels, I forget? I just drive a regular, a regular car. 
All right. Do you know anybody around town who might drive a white van? I have to get back to you on white vans. I don't think I know anybody like that. At this point, like I've I've given a few little clues and things you can follow, but you guys are going to have to choose a direction to head into. Yeah, it's tricky. I'll um, sit down with the guys and let them know that I talked to Alan and he suggested a potential approach for this seance if we want to do that. But I, I might be able to, to lead it with the help of our Lord. So we're doing the seance? We're doing the, the speak to the dead thing? Yeah, I think we should do it. The main concern we have about this is possession, right? How the heck do we combat possession? I'm not going to do an incantation or anything like that. Rather, I'm going to be uh, calling upon the Lord for aid in a sort of prayer. It's not really the same. We, we could have somebody there, and I could try to make the soul speak through them. But I'm not really so sure that anything's going to happen either way. Well, if you're worried about possession, why do you want me to rig up some sort of uh, EG? Stick it on your head? Uh, I don't think that Christ would just let me be taken over. I think he would. Really? No, I think we'll find a way that doesn't expose you to quite so much parasitism. Well, when you say Christ, I just kind of look awkward and uncomfortable and stare at you for a few seconds. Listen, he was he was a prophet. It says right there in right there in the in the good book. Yeah, that he was but... one of he was one of uh, the big man's guys. It's just disagreement on how big of a guy he was. Tamir, it's not as if hey, hey, your hey. religion is any less correct than Christianity or Catholicism. Listen, listen, you both you both have equally valid claims to being immune to possession, which is no. you have none whatsoever. So we need to find a better solution that doesn't lead to any of our brains getting taken over by feeders. If I'm going to do this through Christ's power, Christ's power is going to protect me. It'll either happen or it won't. But it Jesus does not allow his it does not allow this to go badly. Of course not. I mean in Empirically, he does, because how many people have been possessed in history? An awful lot. How many people did Christ get all the demons out of in the Bible? One. What? It's a, it was a guy. It was one. Yes, but that was well, before they, they his coming. God, God, why have thou forsaken me? Look, I, I can quote scripture too. It's interesting that you guys are having this debate because you two, I'm um, talking to Mia and David, are the ones who have used gutter magic identities so you're going to have some basic understanding so what you're going to do is you can't use gutter magic to summon a demon but what you can use is use gutter magic to give a blessing on your endeavor or create a boon in order to try to make the universe go in your favor you can use either of these to help your cabal find a ritual or an adept who can actually do a demon summoning um, does that make sense? I don't entirely believe in my own magical prowess, though I would happily construct some kind of Faraday cage for David's brain. Gutter magic is improv rituals that you need to accrue symbolic elements to pull off. Right. These are symbolic elements to represent you, as in yourselves as the casters, and you all four can be involved, even if you don't have gutter magic, because you would just roll secrecy instead. 
Now, you need uh, at least five items representing you guys, five items representing the target, and five items representing the collective unconsciousness, which is symbolic elements from culture reflecting what you're trying to do. So it could be like a movie, a song, or anything like that. Things for your target would be their clothes or like any of their school yearbook or a sample of their DNA or follicle of hair, anything like that. That's symbols for your target. But we're not like trying to contact friend in the fridge. We're trying to contact somebody who can help us contact friend in the fridge. Because if you're trying to get the universe to give you a way to contact the spirit of friend in the fridge, you can use her as the target. But you could also use whoever can help us, but it makes it a bit trickier. So uh, next step after getting out of this fucking bar is performing this ritual to try to make the universe give unto us a cool ritual. So in terms of semiotics, would prayer and my cross be enough? That would probably cover you and the collective unconsciousness to an extent. Like what, what you could do is you could combine your Christian elements with Tamir's scientific elements into one ritual. Ooh, ooh, I know. I'm going to print off the entire text of the Fridge Safety Act. Okay. I think that counts as an element of your target. If you're targeting the soul of friend in the fridge, that would count as one of them. I mean, that's why I suggested it, because uh, we're lacking materials at the target. Yeah, that's good. So uh, before we all disperse and prepare, um, do you all want to be involved in this? Yeah. Sean, you're happy to... Yeah, didn't come this... Okay, that, that's good. So yes, you'll need to find things important to you and things you can think of that are important to Siobhan. Thompson, would it make sense to do it in the graveyard? Absolutely. Unseemly it might be, the best way to do this would be in the evening in the cemetery. That works. That probably counts for a collective unconsciousness element. Or it could count as both one for the collective unconsciousness and one for the target if you were doing it near her grave or on her grave or at her grave. Okay, perfect. So, shall we all meet tomorrow night then? Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go and prepare. Here are some things that will give a positive shift to a gutter magic ritual. Taking more time in a way that matters, using especially potent components, something intimately tied to your target or a sacrifice of some kind. Performing the ritual in a mystically potent place or at a cosmically significant time or getting an adept to drop a charge into it. All right, but we still we need the 15 items before we can start thinking about any of that stuff. Well, you can combine those things, like a time element or a place element. I'm thinking that doing it on her grave is a good one. Nice. All right, well, this would be easy. I assume at least one of us has received a gift of some kind from this person. Yeah, actually, so I have my naturalization papers, which she helped me fill out. I can put those in a careful folder so they don't get damaged because I need to have them imported. But that's something that uh, she she helped me with. That's good. That'll count for you. And that establishes a connection between you and her that's important to you. All right. I'm going to say each of you should bring something that connects you to her. And you just, that means you just have to do one each and then one extra one 
to represent your group? Well, I'm going to bring for me personally uh, my crucifix, and then I will also bring. Um, thing is, I can more think of like stuff I would have given to her than stuff she would have given to me. I will say that Adrian has chatted up Chuck and Carol. Well, maybe as part of like, like I ran like a youth class, something that she was in. Yep, Christian youth group. Yeah. Maybe we have like a Bible that we annotated together. Well, I did say that she made Christian cover music videos. She probably have them on tape somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a good idea. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll use one of those then. Adrian has already sort of chatted up the parents. If you want to get stuff from her house, I mean, it might not be impossible, especially since that seed of doubt was placed in her parents' mind. It also gives us this opportunity to toss the house anyways, in case there's any information there. I just tell her the truth. I uh, I left some shit over there last time I was there. Are you going to call them and try that and then roll connect? I say I apologize. It's a bit mercenary of me to call you about this, but there was there was some stuff left there of mine. Most of it trivial, but a couple of it important. And I would prefer it not get stuck in storage by the landlord when they clean the place out. Okay, give me a lie roll. Okay. That's pass. You can even flip flop that to a higher pass because it's your obsession identity. I don't want. I don't want to waste a flip flop though. Obsession flip flops. You can have as many as you want. Oh, okay. Yeah. In that case, as long as it's, it's it's free, then yeah, absolutely. You get a flip flop for your passions once per session, but obsession identities you can have as many as you want, as long as it makes sense. Cool. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. They're like, okay, yes, yeah, we've kept the room as it was. Just yeah, whatever you need. We. They are asking a bunch of questions about like why you think something more odd's going on, but like you could tell that you've placed enough of a bit of doubt in their mind, and you've placed yourself in a position of. Oh, I'll just tell them, I'll just tell them straight up about the fridge thing. No refrigerator that size manufactured after the year 1954 should have been possible for her to get stuck in. So unless the building is 70 or 80 years old, which, I mean, it's a VHS store. I mean, it's possible that it was retrofitted from from a pre-54 structure, but I kind of doubt it all right that's enough like they'll say like whatever you need if you're going to investigate what's going on and find out the truth though so they're happy to help jerry it's not gaslighting if you believe it okay so so she did she live with her family did she live in a group she lived with her family but in the months before she died she was spending more and more time away from home because she was being with the cult all the time I can think of several reasons why you wouldn't want to go directly home from some of that if you live with your parents. They only know that she was staying with Vaughn a lot. Right, okay. So if she lived with her parents, then it, probably the whole team can't go up there? I don't want to go up there because I want to be busy building a bunch of bespoke tinfoil hats for all of us. That's good. So I'll go into whatever space she lived in, if it's the basement or upstairs or whatever. And in addition to um, just plucking the various items that I assume will be useful for the ritual. I would also like to see if I can find anything that, that might help hold information for us. Well, tell me what sort of things you want to get, because there's a lot of choices in here. Uh, she probably had some kind of hobby, so an object related to that would be very helpful, as long as it's small enough that I could remove it without it being very obvious that I'm just fucking stealing things from her in order to cast wizard spells. Well, she has a laptop and a lot of camera equipment, things like that, tripods. I probably want to take any physical media that she might have stored here of herself in compromising cult rituals, especially the ones that I appear in, because I'm not 100% on the parents finding that. That'll be on her computer, probably. You want to hack in there somehow. I'd rather just remove the hard drive and do the hacking at a, a place that's not here. Yeah. 
It's a computer hard drive, unless it's a very old computer. It'll fit inside a purse. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I close the case so that it doesn't look like I just fucking took it out. Let's see. I look at your usual con artist hiding spots to see if there is, you know, any any like hidden objects that might hold information or evidence. Okay. Yeah. Since you put it like that, I won't make you roll. She does have something hidden under her bed, which is one of the most obvious places to check. It appears to be the Fresh Bay High School Yearbook from the year 2010. Okay. She's not that old. Like, she probably graduated later. This is the graduating class of 2010. So, not her yearbook. All right. I will flip through it to see if there's anyone circled or any, any signatures or anything. There's not really the circles or anything, but you can sort of tell what pages have been leafed through a lot. And you see a few of the people are clearly members of the cult back in the day, when they were high school graduates. They looked like they were in their mid-20s, but most of these guys are probably in their late 20s. But what is the most shocking in terms of a transformation is you discover a picture of a girl, Gretchen Wheelhouse. She has braces and thick glasses and a very homely look. And it takes you a minute to realize that that's Yvonne Devine. She looks completely different. The whole vibe you get from the pictures is completely different. There's not that many photos of her in there, but you do notice that similarly to your friend in the fridge, apparently back in high school, she was a member of the high school video club. All right. As a insurance, I'm going to make myself cry so that if the parents come in and say, what the hell is taking you so long? Why are you tossing through all these objects? I will look like I have just been having difficulty. Fair enough. Anyone have any suggestions for Chip to take? This is a girl that was probably a university age. So anything that you can justify as her having, you can take. Okay. As a con artist, this would be one of the first things I'd find out about her one way or another. Was she the kind of person who took like self-defense real seriously? Would she have like a big-ass knife or a said pistol? Anything like that? No. All right. Well, that was her first mistake. Maybe we should take any like copies she had of like Kuma tapes. I mean, I know you did that anyway. You took copies of stuff that had you in it, but maybe we could use that for the ritual somehow, like on a USB or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to be useful for a bunch of reasons because it's got information and it because it sanitizes evidence uh, and yeah. because it's useful for the ritual. It's a hat trick. But yeah, I will also take just a regular old non compromising photo if I can find one. And then. I mean, you could do clothes. It's gross, but underwear works really well for this sort of shit, as does like strands of hair from a pillow or a sanitary pad from the bathroom, anything like that. Ugh. All this stuff, it's all symbolic elements. I'll stop sort of like the real vile shit, because as far as I'm concerned, earned any five objects is fine, and I'm not really initiated into the deep mysteries of how much blood something has to have on it before it counts as a spiritual connection to a person. I think I'm going to cut my losses, and just with five items of... Was she taking any medications? Yes. She was taking Ritalin. All right, well, I'll take that just because it's good to have them around. Yeah, you can take clothing, a photograph, some medication, probably a strand of hair if you want. That sounds like, uh, that's, that's me told. All right, so sounds to me like you're almost there in terms of symbolic elements. They just need to be put together in a vaguely plausible way. Right. Is um, Sean bringing anything? Can I just say there was a kitten? She and I played with together one time. Can I bring the kitten, or does it need to be something that's going to be ritually destroyed as part of all this? 
Well, if you kill that kitten in the ritual, you get an immediate bonus, but... Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I don't want to bring that up. It's something I'm going to be required to destroy. You could bring the kitten's collar from when it was still a kitten, because it's probably an adult cat now and requires a, a bigger collar for its neck. To Mia, you could use your phone, because remember, she tried to show you something magical. Oh, shit. Yeah. No, that's good. So I'll bring the phone. I'll get one of those nice, like, paper protectors and put my naturalization papers in those. Oh, wait, shit. Would I have to destroy those? Uh, I'll just make a photocopy of them. You don't have to destroy them. It depends on how you're doing the ritual. Yeah, I don't think we're going to destroy everything in this. I mean, I'm not going to destroy my fucking crucifix. Destroying things will make it work better, of course, because sacrifice is important, but you don't have to destroy things. And I'll, I'll print off the uh, Fridge Safety Act, all of it, and I would get like a latch from a fridge from 50 years ago, but I don't, that would require like going into a dump and knowing what I'm looking for, which I don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, but yeah, Tormson, I would like to make, so I'm I'm like a scientist and I think I'm all, you know, correct about physics and all this shit but clearly i'm slowly getting the sense that the world may not accord exactly to the laws of physics so i'm going to turn on incognito mode and start looking up various things about esp and seances and manifestations spontaneous human combustion tinfoil hats and attempt to construct a set of tinfoil hats for each member of the party that will be attending the seance. Okay, so you're going like the parapsychology route here. Yeah, just as like protective warding. Yeah, you can find it because it's not just a, your ordinary tinfoil hat here. You're trying to get some like so-called parapsychological research or justification for it. Yeah, you can find some old declassified CIA documents on Czech and Soviet research at various psychic protection and amplification designs and you can find something that you can justify in your scientific mindset as this must kind of work yeah like if the northern lights show up it'll it'll direct it into our rubber boots instead of our brain cells sure you're bringing elements symbolic elements to protect you guys while conscience is bringing in symbolic elements like getting jesus to be the intermediary here that's right oh i i was purely bringing this as a as a safety measure but if it counts as one of the symbolic elements then by all means i'll bring it because i'm already bringing the uh, fridge safety act printed off the naturalization papers and i guess if we need anything else for the collective unconscious i would just uh, check out a copy of the odyssey and stick a bookmark in the passage where odysseus speaks to the underworld that's perfect okay I think you've got enough elements like doing it in the graveyard and bringing the cross and all these things. I think that's even in, uh, in terms of collective unconscious elements, I think it's enough. But tie all these things together into some poetic logic. So the sun is set. We're in the cemetery alone. We have all of these things. Obviously, I'll be conducting a sort of prayer, I suppose. I, I want to make sure that everyone puts on their uh, tinfoil hats and properly secures them onto their heads. Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't, I don't want none of you fuckers getting possessed by a demon. No, we're not at the possession phase. That's that that comes later. No, I, th I think I, Adrian Tamir is 
has the right idea, we should be taking all of the precautions we can at all times. Weren't you like 20 minutes ago telling us all about how Christ would protect your brain from, okay, uh, from the Can fingers? I roll something to try to subtly communicate to Adrian? This is going to work better if Tamir believes in it. Let him have this one. That works. <laughs> right. Okay. But I assume that Adrian is, is good enough at that sort of thing that Adrian would get it. Anyway, uh, we're, we've all got our tinfoil hats properly secured, Doctor. Give your thumbs up. And maybe I've got a laptop with some of the, those files we've got. You could have burned them to a CD. Well, I was thinking that like we want to have them playing in almost like a montage. Oh, that's good. You know, like the kind of like really corny scenes from a life sort of thing. We still have to like chew through the laptop to see if it has any interesting stuff on it. Yeah, but we'll have time to do that later. Kind of like a scenes from life thing you see at like your old people's birthdays. And what else do we need to incorporate here? I'm gonna gingerly lay my naturalization papers in their nice little folder on the grave, and then look around. Everyone's like, just be careful. Like I don't fucking burn those things. Those are important. This, on the other hand, I say as I pull the fat sheaf of papers and i smack it down on the ground and it says on the front 1956 fridge safety act that you can burn oh yeah yeah that's going up that's going up all right uh, i've got like a an incense block and i'm gonna use some of the incense from that and as i'm lighting that i'm going to similarly set alight the the fridge safety act okay that makes sense so the smell of the burning paper mixes with the incense. Only cost me a few cents to print off at the printers. How are we getting the kitten involved? Oh, yeah, that's right. We're just using the collar. That's right. Yeah, I'll just go with the collar. Well, shall we pray? Let us pray. Okay, it sounds to me like David is going to be leading this one. Uh, when everyone else is providing a support role for this ritual. So, David, this will be your supernatural. I also want Tamir to roll and in support. This could be significant, maybe, maybe not. Well, that is a success. The highest level of success I can get. That is really helpful. But I'm going to need also from David. Then as I'm praying, I'm pressing the crucifix to the tombstone. And I'm going to roll heartbreaking. That's uh, 11 over. Ooh. I can't flip-flop that. Ooh, it's so close. I'm going to require a roll from both Sean and Adrian if they're assisting because this, this is a very close gap. All right. What should I be rolling? Secrets. All right. I'm not very good at secrets. Let's see what happens. Oh, Holy yes. Holy shit. I made it. Oh, so you got an extra one, even though you're not going to get a magic, you managed to just give that little bit of push to make it work. Just as David's beginning to falter, he's like pressing this crucifix and nothing's really happening and you guys are getting involved, but you're still feeling like kind of stupid being out in this graveyard late at night. Just when you're about to give up, Sean and Tamir, you see David fall backward, just suddenly passed out. David, you see a vision of Jesus Christ with three young people dressed in nothing with heads that resemble the Ophanim 
fiery wheels. And they're all sitting in a red convertible watching Monty Python's Life of Brian on a in a drive-through movie theater. Father, you have come. Jesus is laughing. The others, they don't have mouths, but they seem to be enjoying themselves. The smell of popcorn and urine is overpowering and your head starts to spin in this vision and as you like stumble away you look up and you can see the name of this drive-in is the stay in your car drive-in in in rochester new york and then you come to is is anyone are you all hello are you okay kind of blacked out Uh, from out there we we Sean, we did it. I saw the Lord. What did the Lord tell you? I'm fussing over his tinfoil hat, seeing if any of the circuits burnt out. Never mind the hat, Timmy. Never, never mind. I saw. He showed me. It, it, we we need to go to Rochester. Rochester? Why? We have to. There is the. We we, we there's a drive in there. And the the. Christ was there in the drive-in. He was watching. It doesn't matter what he was watching. We have to go to the stay-in-your-car drive-in. That is where we'll find what we need. I'm certain. The Lord would not lead us astray. All right. What are we looking for at the drive-in? Well, the purpose of this ritual, this gutter magic ritual, is to try to find a way to contact or summon the spirit of your friend in the fridge. The ritual has been successful and David was given this vision of a specific place. So going there is probably where you're going to find it. And with that, I think that's a good ending point. I would like to know what you guys intend to do next session. Uh, Let's see. I'm going to look at the balls we have in the air right now. I, I want to investigate this laptop. Yeah, the laptop's a given because that might give us clues to motive. And then we've got trip to Rochester. Mm-hmm. There is also the yearbook. You mean like following up from the yearbook? Right. Like the fact that that was explained to us in that much detail indicates that there's definitely some more information there that we can get if we push that lead. The fact that that yearbook was there with that information suggests to me that our friend in the fridge was probably herself investigating the cult when she was killed. Yeah, mm. uh, and it seems like it's maybe been going back longer than I first expected. Oh, yeah? Uh, <laughs> did, you, did, did you have a vision of, like, a bunch of cavemen while one of them does, like, a painting and they fuck? Did you find, like, Eurypterids drawing <laughs> on the first the first sandy beaches where they held their chelicerae together and frantically coupled before their shells hardened <laughs> while another one drew Eurypterid pictures in the dirt? Um, it's truly horrifying. Did you find erotic drawings encoded in the the fossils of the first stromatolites that once raised themselves out of the murky seabed and filled the world with oxygen? Truly, I am gripped with terror at the thought of how far-reaching the creed of cum goes. I guess the um, the bacteria probably are innocent because they didn't know how to cum. They were uh, reproduced yeah, by division. Yeah. But then, but then they blasted plasmas into each other. They were just firing off loads of, of horizontal gene transfer left and right. Yeah. So it does sound there like you're talking a little bit about evolution, which obviously isn't real. 
don't know what you mean by that. Oh, you're that kind of priest. I see. He's also got following up with the Booty Spirits. Yeah, the Booty Spirits. I think every other lead we have is like more esoteric than the Rochester lead. I mean, yeah, I want to follow up on that pretty soon. Right, because looking at the files doesn't cost us anything, and going to Rochester is is pretty obvious just because we already spent half of this session trying to set that one up. Yeah. And I don't want to sunk cost us, but I feel like we, we have literally locked in that that's important by doing this ritual. Yeah. So, yeah. So the the two big ones for me are files and Rochester. And more than just sunk cost, this kind of player driven campaign, you have to like be careful not to get distracted. At this point, I am going to give you guys an intense milestone for all the stuff you've done today, which means that nice. one of you guys can roll 2d10 Yay. plus 10. Wow. It doesn't look like we've done that much, but who wants to roll? Figuring out that the death was not accidental is pretty big. Yeah, that's true. And we did that literally by just talking to Fat doing a Wikipedia search. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Top Fat, you roll because you, you're the one who cracked the case. All right, here goes nothing. Hey, that's hey. average. Yep, so now your objective is at 21%. Now, everyone who failed a roll in an identity can add 1d5 to their identity. So if you could roll that and also note which identity is getting points. No. This is why having an identity that starts at a high level isn't always the best, because then you can't grind it. Just looking at all the things I've rolled, I don't think I failed anything. Oh, wait, no, I, I did. No, I, I failed. Um, Yeah, that's a 43, which is a fail. Fuck. I don't know what I actually rolled. Oh, yeah, no, that was, that was scientists. It happens. It happens. 